Welcome to Matt Levitt Online, the podcast on all things top line. Matt has helped thousands of solopreneurs grow their businesses from concept to execution. Enjoy the episode. Consciousness and unconsciousness. The famed psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud believed that behavior and personality were derived from the constant and unique interaction of conflicting psychological forces that operate at three different levels of awareness, conscious, unconscious, and preconscious. He believed that each of these parts of the mind plays an important role in influencing our behavior. And one of his students, Carl Jung, went on to do a lot of discovery with regards to spending his life studying and teaching on consciousness. We're going to get into that more later. For me, it's taken some time to understand the ins and outs of Freud's theory. It is, um, it's essential to first understand that what he believed each part of the personality did and how it operated and how these three elements in his mind interacted to contribute to our human experience. We learn more about each of these levels of awareness and the role that they play in shaping human behavior and thought as we go along in life. And here I am in what would be probably considered the later years of my life at nearly age 54 now. I look back at my readings, discussions, and how I was taught regarding Sigmund Freud. And I wanted to share a lot of this here with you today. Sigmund Freud was the founder of psychoanalytical theory, and his ideas were considered shocking really at the time. And it's one of the reasons that he became so profound uh, during that era. And it, it continues to cause debate and controversy. And even today, as we look at his uh, writings and teachings, and his influence of a number of disciplines, including psychology, sociology, anthropology, literature, and probably even the arts. The term psychoanalysis is used to refer to many aspects of Freud's work and research, including Freudian therapy and the research of methodology. He used to uh, he used to develop all of his theories. Freud relied a lot on his ob observations and case studies, anecdotal studies with patients to form his theory and to create what he called the theory of personality development. Um, as we look at pre-consciousness, consciousness, and unconsciousness, these distinct levels of the mind, as he put them, for example, pre-consciousness consists of anything that could potentially be brought into the conscious mind. Follow me here. The conscious mind contains all of the thoughts, the memories, the feelings, and the wishes of which we are aware at any given moment. It's a true function of presence, present tense, the here and now. This is the aspect of our mental processing that we can think and talk about rationally. It also includes our memory, which is not always part of the consciousness or our consciousness, but can be retrieved easily and totally brought into our awareness. You listen to that, you know what I'm talking about. And the unconscious mind is a reservoir of feelings, thoughts, and urges. Hear me out on this. Feelings, thoughts, and urges. 
memories that outside of our conscious awareness, most of the contents of the unconscious would be considered unacceptable or unpleasant. Most of them are feelings of pain, maybe anxiety, or certain conflicts. And personally, I believe that Freud may have just been scratching the surface as I've gotten into more and deeper communication with myself and others about consciousness, unconsciousness, and preconsciousness. Freud took a look at these three levels of the mind much like you would look at an iceberg. The top of the iceberg can be viewed as above the water, represents the conscious mind. The part of the iceberg that's submerged is known as the subconscious, um, unconscious mind. But that part where it is just below the surface, Freud would call the preconscious. And we've all heard of what many of us would call um, the distinguished understanding of consciousness and unconsciousness. And one example could be if you if you were to look at the slip of a tongue, uh, many of us have experienced a Freudian slip, so to speak, at some point or another. And these misstatements are believed to reveal underlying unconscious thoughts or feelings. And when people are, um, you know, induced by the mind with uh, mind-altering substances, such as alcohol, for example, we'll, we'll uh, notice more and more people with Freudian slips, things that come out that perhaps are in the preconscious in my mind, in many cases, the preconscious. And Freud believed that while the unconscious mind is largely inaccessible, the contents can sometimes bubble up and unexpectedly such as through dreams or slips of the tongue or under the influence, in my belief, can come forward. But as an example of a Freudian slip, um, you might be asking, well, Matt, I mean, how would that, how does that look? What does a Freudian slip look like? And most of you know what this looks like, but let's say that you accidentally use a former lover's name when referring to a current lover. That's a Freudian slip. And most of us might believe this to be a simple error and some would just pass it off. But Freud believed that that slip with the sudden intrusion of the unconscious mind into the conscious mind would be a result of unresolved or perhaps repressed feelings. So to a Freudian psychologist, thoughts and emotions outside of our awareness continue to exert an influence on most of our behaviors. So how do we access the unconscious thoughts? According, according to uh, the information that I've discussed and read with others that I've read about Freud, the unconscious continues to influence our behavior and experiences, even though we're not aware of these underlying influences. The unconscious can include everything from feelings, uh, hidden memories, habits, thoughts, desires, reactions. And I believe that what we continue to feed our mind with that can be uh, hidden, that are, are bad habits, that are thoughts that we don't necessarily desire that might be evil, um, 
lusts and desires and certain negative reactions, those can be in the unconscious mind and how we feed the unconscious mind will become conscious. If the, con- if the conscious mind represents the tip of that iceberg, it is the conscious mind that makes up the massive bulk that lies beneath. So the tip of the iceberg is on top, the base of the iceberg below. As we know in science, most of the iceberg is under the water. Think about the Titanic, a very small piece above the water and the massiveness of that ice rock that that massive ship hit and destroyed and killed so many people. Memories and emotions that are too painful, embarrassing, shameful, or distressing to consciously face stored in the enormous reservoir below the surface is what makes up the unconscious mind. When I interact with an individual, I understand that I'm only getting a small piece of what's really underneath and behind that person. But as we as individuals expand our conscious mind, we have the ability to become more conscious. So let's talk about preconscious and Freud's idea of of, uh, preconscious. The contents of the conscious mind include all the things that are in our awareness, the things that we're active, actively aware of and closely related pre-conscious mind contains all the things that we could potentially pull into our conscious awareness. We're aware of it, but we're, it's not on the surface and we could pull it in. Pre-conscious memories are not the same things as memories that are readily accessed, such as remembering your way home. They're unrepressed memories that we extract for a specific person, per, per, for a specific person, perhaps, um, and for the use of a purpose at a particular or specific time. The preconscious acts as something, as a guard. So be thinking about this, controlling the information that is allowed to enter into the conscious awareness and therefore shared with others is done through the preconscious mind. And I have a tendency to refer to this as your ego, as part of your ego, as the preconscious. And this is a filtering device. So let's say that your spouse or your partner or your girlfriend, let's say that you're having a time or an issue and you're in a pause and you want to uh, think about having a conversation with them and saying the right things. But you're also thinking, these are the things I don't want to talk about. These are the things I don't want to bring up. I think it's going to create this. And that's part of where you might be with your pre-conscious because you're telling yourself, you're not going to bring those up. You're going to get have this conversation. It's there, but you're not going to do it. And because we know it, let's just say that suddenly we're having this discussion. Our emotions get out of control and bam, you explode and it and it comes rolling out. In an angry, in an angry fashion. Well, this is the pre-conscious pulling from the unconscious and allowing it to become part of the surface. So we have a tendency to be able to control that. Now, a lot of people don't believe in the pre-conscious. That it's, it's either your conscious or your unconscious. And I'm not saying that I disagree with that. 
Because really, if you're conscious of something, you're conscious. It's in your awareness. If you're unconscious of something, you're unconscious. Preconscious, gateway, guard, I get it, but I'd rather refer to it as the guard. <laughs> you know, you can learn to guard the things that you don't want to have placed out there into the conscious. So how much of your brain is really conscious and unconscious? There's been a lot of studies, a lot of cognitive neuroscientists have actually studied this, and, and you can find this information out there, that really only 5% of our decisions, emotions, actions, and behavior are um, in the conscious awareness at any given time, whereas the remaining 95% is in our unconscious or non-conscious mind. And, of course, that represents the iceberg. Now, along comes Carl Jung, and he had much to add to Freud. Um, here's a quote by Jung, the reason why consciousness exists and why there is an urge to widen and deepen it is real simple. Without consciousness, things go less well. And I love how that's stated. He's stating, and I believe Carl Jung took way more of a positive approach, a positive approach in that we as humans, with infinite intelligence, we actually have the ability to change. We have the ability to make decisions. We have the ability to use science. We have the ability through our basic beliefs and probably through all of the things that we've been given, have the ability to make proper decisions. And arguably, Young's most important message is that the purpose of human life is to become more conscious. The more conscious we can become, the better life we're going to live, the better ability we're going to be able to communicate and develop relationships with other individuals. As far as we can discern, and this is directly from Jung, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being, memories, dreams, and reflections. Interesting thing is, is that, here, here's another one. Part and parcel of this is achieving balance, a right harmony between mind and body, spirit and instinct. When we go too far, one way or the other, we become neurotic. And so I love, uh, I love some of his other statements. Too much of the animal distorts the civilized man. Too much civilization makes sick animals. Too much of the animal distorts the civilized man. Too much civilization makes sick animals. What does Jung mean by this? The civilized man tends to live life in his head. He, uh, he, she, I'm going to use male uh, for this particular moment. He prides himself on a rational approach to life. We are not animals or apes, thanks to reason, science, logic. Um, instead of hanging around in trees, we take them and we actually use them. We build houses with them, uh, which we then fill with stuff in order to make life easier. 
Or is it really? Is it easier or is it more complicated? You know, I walked away from that life about nine years ago. I shed all of the stuff in my life. Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of personal um, personal stuff. And including a home in addition to a 6,000 plus square foot home. I was tired of being a slave to my stuff. And the two years of sabbatical that I took in South Florida gave me back my balance and my true appreciation of life. And now I comfortably live inside of a 1,400 square foot apartment. Imagine that. All the same, we have the ability to lose touch with one side or the other either our instinctual base or our ability to reason and be civilized. And so this is sort of the basis of Jung's idea of compensating the psyche properly. One way or another, we're going to be brought down to earth. It's just about the time that we think that we have everything under control because we all like control. That's about the time we're going to most apt, uh, to have an issue, perhaps fall on our face, and especially true when we don't rec- reckon with our uncivilization, the animal side in us. And by the way, I'm talking about men and women here. Unexamined instinctual behavior is an indication of unconsciousness and a characteristic of a, an undeveloped personality. You know, when we analyze ourselves, we can become more conscious of the instincts of many ways that we're actually enslaved to this behavior of operating by our unconscious mind because we're not conscious. We don't take the time to be present and look at ourselves and analyze what we're doing when we make these statements. The aim here is, according to Jung, is for us to live a more purposeful, whole, and a bit different from Freud with the ability to, as humans, make changes. I want to wrap up with talking about the ego because Jung's model, the ego, is not the same thing as consciousness, but simply the complexness, the dominant complexness of the conscious mind. And of course, in practice, we can only become aware of these contents by means of our ego. In other words, the more we know about what's going on in our unconscious, we can become more conscious. So becoming conscious involves understanding the difference between perhaps opposites, since the basic opposites are consciousness and unconsciousness. The first hurdle is to acknowledge where they are, where they land, the things that are in our unconscious, and being able to pull them up. When we do something, react something, do something, react in a negative way, what part of our unconscious is that coming from? 
the more we can figure this out, the more we can go deep and understand this. And I have more been able to do this by pausing, taking moments, brief meditations, longer meditations. And during this time, I'm able to go deeper and to understand more so that me personally, I'm no longer doomed to living life just on the surface. And if this helps you to understand conscious and unconsciousness at more of a psychotherapy or psychological level, uh, by the way, I'm not a psychotherapist, a doctor, a counselor of any kind. I'm simply a person living life, going through conscious and unconscious activity, just like you and I, or just like you are, I am too. Um, for those who can admit to um, dealing with these daunting issues that, that we we go through every single day. There's a lot of opposites involved between masculine and feminine. And we have those inside of our own, own bodies, emotions, beliefs, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, the difference between good and evil. These are the, the, the you know, the, this is the essence of knowing and understanding the most important difference between our inner operation and our outer operation. The more we can identify with that, the greater we are with working with ourselves and more importantly, working with others. I want to continue on this conversation on a later podcast about more of the idea of consciousness through Jung's model, because I think you're going to like this information, and I hope you take some time to research not only Freud, but Carl Jung as well, J-U-N-G, if you haven't already. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit mattlevittonline.com to sign up for emails and connect on social media for regular how-tos, business commentary, and more. That's mattlevittonline.com.